Hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. This is our annual trip to InfoSec where we get to talk to the best, most influential people in the cybersecurity industry. Sit back and enjoy the next few weeks of our brilliant coverage from this fantastic event. Yeah, hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. And, uh, What's your name? Where'd you come from? I'm Graham Duffy, systems engineer with Pulse Secure. Fantastic, fantastic. So, for those of uh, our listeners that don't know what Pulse Secure is, <laughs> give us uh, give us the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch. Uh, it's all about secure access. Yep. Uh, so a lot of people maybe know us from our previous life within Juniper Networks. We yes. Used I, to that's be. Certainly, where I know you from. Those little boxes that used to sit on top of. Uh, Absolutely. The, racks. the very cute little MAG 2600 boxes. Yep, they're the ones. We have some equally cute Pulse <laughs> devices now, uh, but we used to be the Pulse business unit within Juniper Networks. Ah. Uh, about three years ago, uh, as part of Juniper's data center strategy, they decided that they didn't need what we did, but because there were so many installed customers, such a huge user base, they didn't want to simply close the whole thing down, so we span off as an independent company, um, and we have been building on the foundation of what we had with with Juniper, but we're able to do much more as an independent company. So where people perhaps knew us before as the SSL VPN, remote access part of Juniper Networks, we've now expanded out to doing more than just remote access. We should be able to allow any type of user to connect from any type of device to any type of resource the key bit being the administrator sets the policy. So yeah. that's, that's what we are meaning when we're, we're talking about secure access, allowing people to get to the things that they need to based on policies that have been set for them. So, I mean, I'm going to be completely uh, ignorant here now mm -hmm. um, and basically say, you know, is that a VPN or is it VPN on steroids? Or, or actually, you know, I mean, the reality is I did a degree in network engineering 10 years ago now. Yeah. So my, my and, and, and I haven't really kept it up to date. So, you know, what's moved on? So obviously VPN technologies, you know, everyone knows and loves them or hates them. Um, but what makes you different? Uh, absolutely. And I, I sympathize because I've got a degree in computer science from about 15, <laughs> uh, probably going on 20 years ago now. And I don't think anything that I learned is, uh, is still current anymore. <laughs> so you, you're absolutely right that uh, VPN technology is something that some people consider dull, can't imagine why they would do that. But there is a lot actually under the surface. Once you start to think about the problems that people have in accessing resources, yep. uh, there are a lot of different ways of being able to solve those problems. And I think one of the things that have made us very successful over the years is the flexibility in the product that we have. Yep. So, uh, yeah, as I say, people probably know us through our VPNs. And what we've been doing recently is taking some of the uh, fundamental things that we've been doing with VPNs and then applying them to other more current uh, issues that a lot of customers are running into. Yep. Uh, but to come back to answer your question about what it is about us and our VPN that's really different uh, to you know, some of the other things that are out there, uh, I think it's really three different aspects. So on the uh, one hand, when somebody wants to connect, we'll actually be able to run some pre login checks to see what the endpoint security posture of their oh, device is. Oh, that's quite cool. So you probably want to say you can't run a full VPN tunnel unless you're running antivirus software on yeah, the yeah, yeah. client device. Uh, or maybe you check for personal firewalls. Or maybe it's a phone you want to see it's not jailbroken. Those types of things. So before we even start talking about connectivity, 
we want to look at the endpoint and see is that secure before I let somebody connect in. So you're rolling in some level of endpoint sort of policy control uh, Absolutely. to determine whether or not fundamentally before you even establish a tunnel. That's really, because I would have thought that that could have only been really done once you'd established the tunnel and then you'd essentially probe the endpoint from inside the organization. Yep. So without sort of leaping ahead too far, that's a key point of differentiation just within the industry and the way that people go about network security. Mm. Some people have the philosophy that we'll let anybody on and then we'll keep an eye on what they're doing and if we don't like it, we'll throw them off. Yep. Whereas others look at it and say, well, actually, you're not getting on at all until we are satisfied that your security posture is okay and everything as it should be, and then at that point we'll, we'll let you on. And that's really the philosophy that, that we have, is that uh, by the time somebody's actually onto the network, it's already too late. So you want 100%. to make sure that it's the right person from the right device, and that device has the right security posture yeah, yeah. before you even let them on. And I'm assuming you also want to make sure it's a known location, so it's not, because I think one of the, one of the biggest issues we've heard about recently has been you know, organizations that get the credentials stolen, then people dial in from obscure locations. Yep. So it's not just about, yeah, you might have the right username and password, but it's making sure that actually you're dialing in from a place that we, we think is... Absolutely. And the, the key to that is to allow the administrator to set the policy of what they think should be allowed to happen. Yeah. Because it might be that you want your CEO to be able to log in from wherever he happens to be traveling in the yeah, world. Yeah. Uh, because it's a really bad thing if he can't get his email. Yeah. But you don't want Joe Bloggs from the accounting department to be able to log in from China. Because actually, he's probably not in China and it's somebody else trying to impersonate yeah. him. And actually, if you, if you challenge him and he phones up and says, I am in China, so I'm doing some business here. Yeah. That's not a big, not a big time out of his day, is it? A absolutely. To, to ensure and guarantee security. Definitely. So that's, if you, you think about that philosophy, and that's what we've been doing for SSL VPNs for remote access for, for a long time. What we've been doing since we've been a, an independent company is Pulse, is saying, well, let's expand that out beyond just VPN access and remote users coming in and say, well, let's apply this to, to other things as well. So internally within the network, why do you not want to run the same sets of checks? Mm. So especially with bring your own device, people uh, you know, take their Mac from home and bring it into the office and want to connect it to the network. Why would you not want to also make sure that it has the correct security posture and it's well, the, the right the person day, using it? If you're going to allow it onto your um, business network, yep. and th th this is a terminology we, we started talking about a while ago called the transient mobile device. And managing that is a horrible experience. Absolutely. But you know, we've always spoken about it in terms of Wi-Fi almost when you're trying to deal with it inside an organization, but never really thought about how you deal with it. As you say, if someone's using their Mac from home or if they're using their, you know, they're bringing their Mac into the office and connecting in, you know, how do you manage that as well? Yeah. But you, you're absolutely right. And a lot of this comes down to setting a policy beforehand. So the organization needs to have decided, do you want people to be able to use their own devices and get full network access? Yeah. Should they just get internet access? Maybe they get to some internal servers, but they can't get to accounting and HR. Once the policies are decided, then what we're aiming to do as Pulse is give the administrator the tools to be able to enforce yeah. those and then to get the visibility to see what people are doing and are they actually following the rules. Yeah. And a lot of it is using the same 
technology that we've used for years for remote users. So we're doing all this host checking, endpoint scanning, being able to figure out what group a user is a member of and where they should go. But rather than just applying it to remote access over a VPN, we can apply it internally. We can apply it to accessing cloud-based applications. We can do it for mobile devices as well as laptops yeah. and desktops. It's taking the same ideas and just applying it to, to larger Fantastic. problems. That's incredible. So I'm assuming complete device penetration, it doesn't matter what we're talking, whether we're coming in on Android or iPhone or yep. Windows or Mac or Linux. So we're in the lucky position of having a client, a little software client for almost any type of device you care to think about. But actually, we only use those in certain instances. So usually, if you think about the types of devices that will be accessing uh, a corporate network, there'll be some of them that are managed corporate devices. Yep. And in those cases, it makes sense to have IT roll out a little client. It's there. It means the user just opens their computer and it's on the network and it works. Yep. But then you'll also have a bunch of devices that either people bring themselves or their printers and phones and things that don't have somebody in front of it to, to log in. So what we need to do is take a slightly different approach depending on the device type and depending if, if there's a user. So we're also talking about non-actual like endpoint, well, non-traditional endpoint devices. Yeah. Although the Internet of Things, as people love to call it these days, the everything that can talk to the Internet is connects to a so network could be anything. apply secure policy control, secure connectivity to those things? Yes. So the way that we'll do it is usually with a, a sort of two-step connection to a network. Mm. So before you can figure out what something is, it generally has to have attached to a network in the first yep. place before you can scan it and, and figure out what's going on. So you probably want to set up a, either a quarantine network or a, a part of the network that has internet access and nothing else, depending exactly how you want to uh, tie things down. But then once a device has connected to that, we've got the ability to profile it. So we will uh, look at things like the DHCP request that it's sending, maybe doing some WMI for Windows, we mm. can query what type of device, look at uh, Nmap, a lot of devices will give you information back as to, to what they are. And what we can do is have a, a device fingerprint, so we know that this type of device looks in this particular way, and then you can come up with a list of things that you're happy with that you want to mm. allow onto your network, but you can define exactly which bit of the network they get access to, because remember, we're doing that enforcement part, so we can block certain traffic, whether it's at uh, firewall boundaries or whether it's maybe changing a switch port or a wireless LAN controller to put different things on different VLANs, yep. we can control exactly what type of devices are able to get to which places. Um, and a, an, an actual real life example, recently we've been talking to a uh, university, they've got uh, halls of residence where they don't know what students are bringing in or what they're connecting to the network but what they want to do is to make sure that it's only actual registered students that are connecting things to their network and that actually they can keep an eye on what those things are. Wow. So they've, they've set up a way of allowing the students to 
register, so you come along with a, a new device, they have to log in with their normal student credentials that checked against a directory somewhere. But then once they're on, they can register a device themselves. So it, oh, it stores clever. the MAC address, and we know <laughs> that this device is for this student and is allowed to go to these sets of places. And then further down the line, if they see that doing something that is wrong, yeah. then they know who it's attached to. So that's just, just sort of one example of being that's able to see example. things for devices that don't have clients on them. Well, and, and that's what exactly what I was going to ask. The things like Google Home and Alexa and, and all those type of devices where, as you say, it's pretty much WPA2 or nothing, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's a great little way around it. So the, the other thing that we're seeing quite a lot of uh, recently is industrial devices that all of a sudden need internet connections as well. So if you're running a factory, Previously, you might have had a load of robotic stuff, but it wasn't internet connected. Yeah, yeah uh, Scala and, and you know, oh, yeah. the programming logic PLCs and all that sort of stuff. All of that stuff. But now more and more, these things are connecting to the internet because mm -hmm. they're phoning home to the, the manufacturer. So we need some way of being able to make sure that only the devices that you want are the ones that are actually attaching yeah, to the network. Absolutely. And that then they're only able to talk to the places that you want them to, to go. And it's traditionally been seen as a, uh, a NAC solution that would do that, network access control. And NAC's one of these things that's been around for a long time, but has never really taken off. There's, there's a few people have implemented it, but it's never really hit the mainstream. Mm. And I think what we're seeing is that uh, more and more it's becoming essential because of all these new devices that are connecting to, the, to networks and people wanting that control over deciding what can connect and where yeah. can it go. So, um, question for you then. So obviously, IoT has been, been a massive sort of curve recently going up. You can get involved in that world as well and that real sort of disparate industrial IoT bits everywhere. Yeah, ab absolutely. So the, the idea of what we're trying to do is really it shouldn't matter what type of device, it shouldn't matter where it's trying to connect to or the resources it's trying to access, so long as an administrator has set a policy that says either this is allowed or this isn't allowed, then we should be able to enforce that policy for them. So yeah. Internet of Things just happens to be the new word for lots of devices having network <laughs> connectivity. Uh, and all of those devices are a bit of a free-for-all right now. Oh, 100%. And people want some way of being able to take control of that. Um, well, we were already having a chat earlier on about, you know, one of the single biggest issues at the moment with uh, IoT is there's lots of things that go out and scan and say, you've got a thousand light bulbs on your network. It's this ITOT world, information technology versus operational technology. And um, I think we had, a, we had a, a person on here who's discussing about, you know, but the, the problem with OT is that, you know, once you've essentially scanned your network, how do you know that a light bulb is a light bulb. Just because it looks like a light bulb and it smells like a light bulb, it might start communicating like a Russian hacker. Yeah. You know, and actually, IoT is just a massive expansion of the attack surface. Absolutely. So, well, you know, and it's a huge vulnerability. So, if you can fundamentally treat every single one of those like it's a little mini endpoint, yeah. and say, it's an endpoint, it should talk like this, the policy is it should talk like this, and it should look like this, and if it does anything outside of that, and it cut it off. Definitely. And you need to keep reevaluating it as well, because one of the yeah. issues is that you can go all through, 
through these great set of checks and saying, okay, I'm happy that this is an IP phone. It's in the right place in my network. We're all good, great stuff. And then you know, somebody comes along and says, oh, there's an IP phone there. It's plugged into that socket. I can see the MAC address is written in the bottom of it. Let me just put my PC in here. Yep. I'll change my MAC address to be the same as that phone. And Bob's I'm, your uncle. I'm, yeah. I'm on the network. So you need to be watching for those types of things happening. So uh, some of the, you know, the ways we do that, we might watch for MAC spoofing. So we've seen a device with this MAC address that we've queried and we know is a... Uh, say a, an IP phone and then all of a sudden you see that disappear or maybe the port goes down and comes back up same MAC address is there but now it's responding to the scan and it looks like it's a, a Windows device or something else <laughs> then at that point you need to be saying okay nope that goes into quarantine until we figure out what's going on so yeah. so watching for those types of changes is absolutely key that's fantastic so I mean and this is really personal for me I mean and you could you could extend that into the consumer world so you know, we had a, a really interesting um, chap on the other day who was talking about he's uh, he's figuring out a way of um, some. Uh, there's freebies you get at this show, and some of them will have Wi-Fi built into them. You know, you put that onto your network, that could be essentially a, a clandestine device. Yeah, that could be, but you want to put it on your network because you know you want you, you get your freebies from here and, and you know you want to go and you take them to work and you sit them on your desk and they do something cool you know you could essentially guarantee or you could you could apply a, a pulse secure policy to that and say if that's not so for example yeah. it's an amazon echo or something like that you could turn around and say that's not treating that's not coming in as we expect or I appreciate it's probably yeah. an extreme so example, but... Well, not necessarily, but I, th I think one of the things that we're seeing is quite a lot of organizations are now implementing to, well, segmenting their network more than they have done in the past. Yeah. Whereas previously, once you're in the building, you're on the corporate network. Once you're on the corporate network, you can get anywhere, effectively. Um, what we're seeing more and more now is people having different levels of network mm -hmm. with different levels of security. So there may be what was in the past just seen as a guest network where you have internet access but there's a firewall between that and everything else you might now have several different levels where yeah. somebody comes along and plugs in an echo it needs internet access to work you might say okay that's okay but you just have the internet whereas you bring your mac from home you might want to get to this server that's got all the presentations on it so you're allowed to do that but you can't get to email say unless you're using a yeah, corporate device so we provide that ability to allow you to decide exactly which parts of the network different types of devices can can get to and even more than just different types of devices it can be down to the person as well and that endpoint security status of the device wow. so you might have to be in a certain group of, of people before you get past the policy using a certain device and that device has to measure up to a certain security standard and only when all of those things coincide do you get through a firewall or do you get allocated into a particular VLAN um, or if you're at home does the VPN tunnel up come up to, to let you access the uh, internal resources yeah. and in fact one of the, the things that we're now starting to see is people worry about cloud and cloud applications in the same way so we've been talking about stuff internally in the, the network and people trying to connect into a network remotely but more and more now, organizations are implementing cloud-based services. Uh, lots of people moving to Office 365 in the cloud or Salesforce.com and these types of things. But 
even if you're using your same user credentials, so you tie it back to your Active Directory, say, you don't have much visibility over who's going to no. those applications, and you also lose the control that you had of saying you need to be running antivirus before you can connect to the email server yeah. and do these things. So we've actually been working on a way of saying, okay, let's keep that same policy in place and we can enforce the ability to allow you to get to a cloud app or not by using us as the authentication part of the, the equation. So we can use SAML, which is the, uh, the protocol that Single allows cloud-based. Yeah. Yeah. We can use that protocol to allow us to say, we won't tell the application to let the user on unless they've met that same set of security policies that they had to previously when the application was based in-house. So it's just, you know, as I said right at the beginning, it's, it's extending things yeah. that we've been doing for a long time, but doing it to new applications, new problems, new places. Fantastic. Well, look, that is amazing. I honestly thought we were going to talk about VPNs for 20 minutes. I could but do actually, that too if you want. No, 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 no. you're fine. That's been, this has been a lot more interesting. Look, Graham, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been My pleasure. fantastic. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. No problem. Thank Cheers, you. thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this InfoSec Security Special. We're going to be back next week with more coverage from this fantastic event. Stay tuned and speak to you then.